the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Taking action. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
our God does not leave us without very clear signs if we know how to read them. And if we'll take time to read those signposts, God will direct our steps. Now, he may give us rhema words, God-breathed words. I treasure it when he does that. But most often, he'll just give us a signpost. And if we can read the signpost, okay. Most often, I have rushed on past God's signpost not even looking to see if it's a red or a green signpost. But what is a sign? What is a signpost? It's a set of instructions. Now, some we don't need. The sign that is beside the woman we're considering taking to bed who is not our wife, we don't need to stop and read that signpost. We already know that God is saying, no, do not commit fornication. He'll put a, a sign up for us. Don't touch that alcohol. There's certain things that he just very clearly in the scriptures has said, don't do that. And if we'll listen, we'll save ourselves a great deal of grief and misery. The signposts for a Christian are more subtle. We're not sure what it means. And what that means is stop, consider, pray. Ask the Lord what it means and he'll, he'll give us clear direction. In the book of John, in the sixth chapter, I've been reading and rereading John 6 and 7. And finally, the Lord's begun to open the sixth chapter of John to me. I'll begin to do that today. And tomorrow we'll go further. Jesus is now close to Tiberias. Tiberias is on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. Jerusalem was the backwater country in that day. And Caesar didn't like to do business there because there were many rules and regulations that he found troublesome. For example, the Sabbath rules. Now, Tiberius also was fairly close to another town of some import in that day, recently discovered in their digging, uh, where they brought all of the fish. They would unload the boats from a night's catch, and they would salt the fish down, and then they would send it off to Rome. So the real place of business was Tiberias. Now Jesus has crossed over the Sea of Galilee and he's healed quite a few people. And 
he was doing this as signs. A great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, waiting for the people to correctly read the signs and follow him so that he could begin to teach them about the kingdom of heaven. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was coming near. Why did he say that? So that we would know that thousands of people were gathering to do business in Tiberias. The cattle were and the lambs were cheaper there than if they waited and purchased them in Jerusalem. So there was a great multitude, and they were all coming. And Jesus said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread? that these may eat. But he said this to test Philip, for he himself knew exactly what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may even have a little bite. Well, a denarii in that day was one laboring man's salary for the day. 200 denarii would not buy enough bread to even begin to feed this crowd. It was a crowd of 5,000 men and another probably 5,000 women and children. So a crowd of in excess probably of 10,000. One of his disciples, that is Jesus' disciples, spoke up and said in John, the 6th chapter, the 8th verse, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves. They'd just be little boy loaves, not big loaves. And two small fish. But what are they among so many? Jesus said, make the, make the people sit down. There was a lot of grass in that area. I've been to that area. It's a very beautiful area. Overlooking the Sea of Galilee, A beautiful church has been built there. So the men sat down in numbers, probably 50 to a number. Jesus took the loaves. When he'd given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise with the fish as much as they wanted. And they were filled. And he said to his disciples, Now gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who'd eaten all they wanted. Then those men, when they had seen the sign, I want you to stop right there. When they'd seen the sign, what was the sign? That Jesus could heal the sick, and now he had fed 10,000 people. They said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. 
This is the prophet. That's what the sign is saying. Well, when they when they got that sign, it says, he departed again to the mountains by himself, alone. Now, here's a problem we're going to talk about. You read the signpost, but you misinterpret the signpost, and Jesus will leave you. The sign is very clear. But what they see the sign pointing to is not the meaning of the sign. The sign is pointing to Jesus. They are correct. But he is now going to pray. Because they missed that sign. They didn't go pray with Jesus. Instead, they tried to force Jesus to fit into the box that they had established for him. They would have had a most blessed time if they had said, Jesus, please don't leave. Let's all get on our faces before God and let's, let's pray. Had they done that, they would have had a much different outcome and Jesus would not have left them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen a sign? <laughs> Let me give you a, a very personal illustration. I've been driving now for quite a few years, a 2010 Hyundai Sonata with well over 200,000 miles on it. And I began with my wife to talk about we need to consider whether we should get another car. She agreed we should get another car, but Let's not get another car until Jesus gives us a very clear signpost to read. And the signpost that we asked for was when this car breaks down and begins to be expensive to repair, that will be a sign to us that we should get another car. And so... Several days ago, we drove the car, and when we were ready to come back home, put the key in the ignition, and it would not start. I said, that's interesting. Is that a sign? And then after several tries, it started again. Well, we said... No, that must not have been a sign because the car's working again. But Lord, when we see this sign, we're, we're going to replace the car. And this morning it happened. We were at breakfast 
And suddenly, when we went to start the car, it wouldn't start. All of the the electronics worked, but it wouldn't turn the motor over. It was dead. And I looked at my sweetheart and I said, Honey, we're supposed to get another car. That's the sign. So we sat, we prayed for a few minutes, nothing. We called and made arrangements for the car to be picked up and called some friends. Could you help us? We need help. Sure. What do you need? Where are you? So we told them. I continued trying to start the car, and finally, after about 50 tries, it started again. So I called everybody and said, no, false alarm, we're okay. But I knew we were not okay. I knew now there was a challenge before us for a different car. I've driven this car for quite a few years. Okay. We now know, and we began to pray and say, Lord, are you telling us for sure, is this clear, that you want us to get another car? And she and I were both very clear in the spirit. Yes. Well, now, most people, when they need another car, what do they do? They go find one. They go to a dealer. Or they go to a newspaper or an internet. And they look and look and search for the right car that seems to fit them. I said, we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to pray and we're going to wait for Jesus to move and bring us the car he wants us to drive. No stipulations on what the car is. I would personally like a new car, but I'm not going to go out and buy a new car. I'd have to go in debt, and I'm not going to go in debt. But we need another car to drive. But then I began to smile at my wife and say, Sweetheart, do you see? We get to see God move again. We get to see the miracle of God's hand in somebody's heart. Somewhere where God will tell them about a car. And he'll bring it to us, or we'll go get it. But we're going to wait on God to choose it. We're not going to choose it. We're going to wait on the Lord to tell us, this is the car I want you to drive. And whatever that is, that's fine with me. I'm not... I'm not impressed by cars. I'm impressed by God's power to move in the supernatural realm and bring to us the car he wants us to drive. You see, the signpost told us it's time to get another car. Well, my first response is, okay, how much will it cost to repair And who do we give this car to who needs it? Who needs a car, but not 
one that's super dependable that would be delighted to have an old car. And then I began to really smile and say, whoa, do you see what God has just done? He's told us to get another car, but he's also told us to wait upon him. So we're going to wait upon God to get that car for us. Now, some of this may seem very strange to you, but this is how God works. We wait on God. I've been waiting on the Lord to get my glasses repaired. Some of you may have noticed that there's no lens in this. I lost it when I was in the water. A wave hit me and washed it away. We couldn't find it in the ocean. So I needed to get my my glasses. Well, okay, we didn't have the money. We waited on the Lord. And finally, a week ago, he said, go get your glasses. Okay. He told me where to go. We went to that place and God began to move in everything that was going on in that place. And we ordered the glasses for half price. I didn't ask for a discount. It was pushed on me. That's just how God works. So on the 20th of this month, I pick up a beautiful new pair of glasses. I've been reading with one eye. It's been difficult. I've said, Lord, how long do I wait? No answer. So, okay, I'm just going to wait on God. I'm going to do the same thing with the car. I'm just going to wait on God. And he'll do what he decides to do. Some of you are going to have a hard time with what I'm going to say. But we don't get what we need sometimes because we don't read the signpost correctly. I'm hearing in my spirit, I can do more in a day than you can do in your lifetime. So I'm trusting God for everything in my life. I'm not out there trying to figure out, okay, how do I do this? No, I'm trusting God to do this. And you say, but pastor, God helps those who help themselves. No, God deserts those who help themselves. He doesn't help those who help themselves. You want to do it? Okay, go do it. I'm out. When these men rose up and they said, let's take Jesus by force and make him be our king. Jesus left. If you're going to push through 
and do. And oh, my brother, my sister, hear me, hear me, hear me. I've pushed through so many times and I've had such painful tragedy out of my moving forward and doing what I think needs to be done instead of doing what we're doing, which is going to prayer and waiting on God for direction. So I waited for glasses and I'll have them on the 20th. I need another car. Instead of going to the all the places that people go to search for a car, I'm waiting on God. He knows what I need. He knows the car is already chosen for me. The question is, will I wait for him? I tell you, my brother, my sister, I've learned the hard way to wait on God. Now, I came out of that eye exam store and immediately right on the other, right beside it, I see here's a doctor's office, an orthopedic surgeon. My right leg is broken. I need help. (laughs) I stand and I say, well, should I go and check it out? And immediately I knew what I had done. I had grieved the Spirit of God. He doesn't want me to go check out what should be done. He's the one in charge of my life. And he will tell me, okay, do this, go here. But in order for me to hear him, I've got to be in a relationship with him where I wait upon him and I listen to him. And so what was the first thing I did about the car? I began to praise him for the new car he's going to send us. I began to praise him and say, Lord, we're just going to wait on you. We're going to wait for you. We're not in a hurry unless you're in a hurry. If you know that you want us to have a car that we can drive to go visit people, to do the mission work we do. Okay. I wait on you. If I went out and tried to find that car, now I'm I'm friends with a car dealer. I could go to that car dealer and say, hey, what can you do for me? Do you have a deal for me? And he might have one. Will I do that? Absolutely no. I asked Jesus. His only answer is, wait on me, Ray. You saw the sign. Now wait for me. And know that you're going to change cars very soon. Okay. Whatever you say, Jesus, I agree with you. I have no agenda outside of Jesus. I'm going to wait on him. And people say to me, well, pastor, you can't just wait on him. You've got to go out and look. No, I don't have to go out. What am I going to go and look at? I have to wait on him. 
So we'll finish this story after we have another car. Well, my brother, my sister, you're going to see lots of changes soon. Don't be frightened. God's in charge. He knows exactly what he's doing. Don't be frightened by the finances. They're in his hands. Don't be frightened by changes in radio. He's in charge. He's the one who pays well over $40,000 a year just to cover radio. He knows what he's doing. And I praise him. I worship him. I love him. My fear is that Jesus, you've pushed him. And he left you. Now, how long is it going to take you to get back to God? It's going to take a very specific course of action. You're going to have to go and repent to Jesus for the times you have not waited on him and not trusted him, but gone and done your own thing. You found your own husband. You found your own wife. You found your own job. You found the supplies you needed. You found the car you wanted. You found, you found, you found, you found. You didn't wait on Jesus. You didn't pray about it. You said God helps those who help themselves. And now God is a a far distance from you. People say to me all the time, God doesn't answer me when I pray. Well, do you know why God doesn't answer? Because you grieved him. You wouldn't wait on him. You went and did your own deal. And now you have to live with the mess you've made. And now you're going to have to go to the Lord and confess what you've done. Repent and say, Lord, from now on, I'll wait upon you. I'm not going to go and do my own deal. I'm going to wait upon you. Well, will you? It's not easy to wait, by the way. My leg's been broken for seven months. It's been immensely painful. I've lost 75, 80 pounds scares me. Am I going to wait on God? Yes, I'm going to wait on God. Well, how long are you going to wait on God? If he wants me to come home, okay, take me. I'm on, I'm on my way to you, Jesus. I'm glad to be out of here. Now, how can I pray for my wife who's going to be left behind? Oh, she doesn't like me to say that. She said, we're going to pray. And God's going to heal your leg. I know he's going to heal my leg. He's not done with me here. I have an assignment I've not finished on earth. He's given me very specific instructions when I was a child and then again as an adult. So, Pastor, how long are you going to wait to get your leg taken care of? As long as it takes. 
I'm his. I belong to Jesus. I'm not going to go take care of myself. He's my Lord. He's my master. I'm going to wait as long as it takes for him to either tell me, go here now, or he touches me and heals me. To heal me is nothing. He's the Almighty. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What is it to me to endure some pain to wait on my Lord? I'm not going to miss the signpost. I'm all eyes and all ears to hear what he says to me. Does this sound crazy to you? This is how God works. He wants us to wait on him. So I'm waiting on him. The answer was given by, by how are we going to feed this crowd? And he says, well, go buy the bread. I can't go buy the bread. That would take 200 denarii to buy enough bread for this crowd. Oh, so you can't take care of it. But I can. He takes the little boy's loaves of bread and the two little fish. And suddenly in his hands, the fish multiply. Twelve baskets at least. One for each tribe of Israel. Have you waited on God? Or are you a can-do person? I can take care of my own problem. Thank you very much. I'm on my way to the doctor. I've got my credit card. I've got my insurance. Really? How did it do? How did it do? How's he taking care of you? You feel good about how he's taking care of you? No. Then maybe it's time to wait on Jesus. But I have to tell you, it's going to be a while. He's going to test you. You want to buy that car? You want to buy that house? You want to go here? You want to go there? Are you going to wait on Jesus? Or are you going to do it on your own? Most people say, I'm responsible. I'll do it myself. Thank you very much. Okay, go. Find out how that works out for you. I'm not going to do that anymore. We've been talking about how do we reach Washington, D.C. with the gospel of Jesus? How do we reach this nation with the gospel of Jesus? By waiting on God and doing what he tells us? By waiting on God. So, 
We have a meeting scheduled this Thursday evening. We've agreed we're going to talk about this. And after we agreed that we're going to talk about it, I said, oh, by the way, do you know how we're going to talk about it? (laughs) We're going to talk to Jesus about it. We're going to cry out to the Lord about how we win Washington, D.C. for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a novel approach? <laughs> We're going to talk to Jesus. Do you know that song? Just a little talk with Jesus. Just a little talk with Jesus. And we're going to wait. Jesus is certainly more interested in winning Washington, D.C. for his kingdom than any one of us could possibly be. I'm sitting in a restaurant having breakfast this morning. And I look over and I see a man with another having breakfast. This man, I know, is in apostasy. He has backslid. Some very hard things have happened in his life and and he doesn't want to talk to me because he knows the first question I'm going to ask him is how are you with Jesus I'm not with Jesus that would be the appropriate answer so I pray Lord here's one of those in Washington who's backslidden What do you want me to do? I call the waitress over, and she's also his waitress. And I say, do you see those two men sitting over there? Yes. Do you have a bill for them yet? Yes. How much is it? She gives me the price, just over $50. I said, would you bring me their bill? Sure, Pastor. She brought me their bill. Because I'm using a walker, it's not easy for me to get to the cash register. So I ask my sweetheart, and I give her the money, and I said, would you go pay for this bill? Sure. He wants his bill. I saw him talking to the to the waitress. And she points over to me. I know what she's saying. She's saying, Pastor Ray just paid your breakfast bill. What? And now he does what he was afraid to do earlier. He gets up out of his seat, all smiles, and he comes. And he profusely thanks me I said 
I still love you. I still love you. I still love you, Pastor. And he's just made his first step to come back to Jesus. Did I go grab him and say, here, let me give you a tract? No, because that wouldn't work with him. It'll work with some people. Didn't work with him. Instead, it cost me 50-some dollars. It didn't cost me, though it cost Jesus. I don't have any money. It's all his. He said, feed this man. Well, Jesus fed the crowd by just breaking the bread. I fed the two men by just handing a plastic piece of a credit card to my wife. And she she paid for his breakfast and the bread was broken. Fellowship between us was restored. And now I'm praying, Lord, would you get the next step ready? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Wait upon the Lord. Do what he tells you to do. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter what you have to do. You do what Jesus tells you to do. And you wait on him for directions. Andrew couldn't buy the the breakfast for this, this crowd of people that had come to Jesus. But Jesus could with a little boy's loaves and two small fish. The issue is, will we wait on Jesus? And then will we do what he asks us to do, no matter what it costs us? Will we do what he asks us to do? And will we do it with love and rejoicing in our hearts? So what sign do you have before you? Have you read it correctly? Have you waited on Jesus to make sure? Sometimes it's a short wait like it was for me at breakfast. Sometimes it's a long wait like my leg, seven months. But will you wait on Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, I'm going to wait upon you. In every case, whether it's my leg, my glasses, my car, my church, the salvation of Washington, D.C. and revival, Lord, I'm going to wait upon you and I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. Lord, I pray that the people listening are not going to say, oh, I've got this. I can do it. No, they can't, Lord. They need your direction. So many of them, you don't speak to them because they've grieved you. They've just gone, done what they wanted to do. I know you only speak to those who will wait upon you. And so, My precious Twyla and I wait upon you for healing, for direction, 
for the salvation of the lost, for our very sustenance, for our food, our shelter. Lord, we're waiting on you, and you're supplying what's necessary for part of it. Lord, thank you. I know the all will be supplied. Thank you, Jesus. Please come in power. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. What I've said today may seem like absolute nonsense to you, but I can tell you now it's not nonsense. I testify before you that Jesus covers it all. If I'll just do what he tells me to do and go where he tells me to go, Now, Lord, I know there are sick listening. I'm going to pray for them, Lord. I'm going to ask, Lord, that as I pray for them, your word will go forth and you will heal them. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Lord, I come today with the sick, with those who need a very specific answer to prayer. I've waited before you. Out of that waiting, I know you answer. So, Lord, I'm asking now for those who are sick that you would Put your hands upon them and you would heal them. Whatever it is, the malady of some kind, broken bones, if they need resources for for their family, whatever the need is, Lord, I lift them up now before your mighty throne. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I put my entire trust in you, Jesus. You supply all that is necessary to us. I thank you, Lord. And I rejoice in you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory to your name. You are the God who loves us, who has mercy for us, who calls us out of sin and darkness and establishes us in your life and in your light. Lord, thank you. Glory, glory, glory to your name, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I wait upon you, Lord. I know that you will endow me with the divine power to heal. 
But I'm asking just for your mercy today to heal those who are listening. Lord, to heal those who are listening today. You know their needs. You hear the cry of their heart. I stand with them. And I plead your mercy. I'm not strong enough in faith. But I know your mercy. So I'm asking your mercy for each one of these precious ones. And I thank you now for answering my prayer. Out of your mercy, out of your love and your compassion, I stand by by faith, Lord, for your compassion for me. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, this is Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. We're going to watch what God wants to do. Not just for me, but for you too. Every precious and good gift comes down from the Father from above. He is the one who stands And such compassion and love, such mercy. Try what I've said today. You may think it's crazy. Try it. And see if God will not answer your prayer. I don't know what it will mean, but you know. Try it and see. I could tell you story after story after story of God's incredible deliverance for me. His incredible love. It's amazing what he'll do for those he loves and for those who love him and wait on him. Well, we have two minutes left in this broadcast. I know the God I serve. Do you? Are you willing to put your trust in him and say, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope. Would you put your arms around me? Could I experience your love once more? You used to speak with me, but you don't anymore. Will you show me how to repent? Would you come and put your arms around me and carry me through this? I can tell you, when you wait on God, he carries you. He'll carry you. I love you. God bless you.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.